0: All right, why don't you turn to Matthew chapter 1, please. Matthew chapter 1. We have looked at the introduction to Matthew. Now we want to begin our study of Matthew through the Bible, verse by verse. Uh, Matthew is the most appropriate to bridge the Old Testament, as you know, to the New Testament by giving us the genealogy of Jesus Christ Um, To the Jews, genealogies were very, very important. Um, Genealogy is uh, ancestral in terms of uh, those who they were related to, their chain of command, their their heritage and their uh, forefathers. And they proved uh, their proper inheritance and being right with the nation often. Um, Ezra as you remember in chapter 2 recorded the genealogy of those returning from Babylon so these records were available uh, with the Jews Um, so it wasn't um, like they just made it up but they now they don't have records today because um, of the destruction after um, 70 AD and everything else that the disbursement but um, Ezra tells that the Samaritans were rejected because they had married um, um, others um, and they couldn't uh, uh, prove a pure lineage. Their genealogy was marred, so he didn't allow them to be part of the work in Ezra 4. In the Sanhedrin, uh, as you know, during the days of Jesus and Paul, they had public records of the Jews And um, certainly their lineages were recorded there. Um, The name of Herod the Great, being half Jew and half Edomian, uh, was not in the official genealogy. So he ordered the destruction um, of the records in order that no one would be able to challenge his um, tainted pedigree. Because as we go through Matthew, we'll see that he was called king of the Jews, but he was not. Um, He was um, half Edomian. Edomites were always a type of the flesh. We had Jacob and Esau. Esau was the father of the Edomites. Now the fulfillment of Scripture in the birth announcement is identified, or to identify Jesus as the promised Messiah and is the theme of the first chapter of Matthew. The second chapter focuses on the importance of locations, such as the birth of Jesus, the place, the flight to Egypt, his return to reside in Nazareth. Um, As the legitimate king of the Jews, in contrast to the residence of Herod at Jerusalem, where the wise men came seeking the king of the Jews that had been born. As a result, he murdered the infants at Bethlehem to protect and secure his office of illegitimate king. So the two chapters um, stand really in contrast one to the other. Tonight we will look at just chapter 1. Let's begin here with uh, the first 17 verses give us the ancestry of the Jews. Verse 1 says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, this type of reading is not the most interesting. Um, but many people, as I've told, often uh, think that God has put the genealogies there when we can't sleep at night, that we might open it up and get bored and fall asleep. But it isn't. They're very important because they link people in the rightful place um, Jesus is going to be proven as we go through here to be in the line of David, both from Joseph and Mary. And it's important because he claimed to be the king of the Jews and the promised Messiah that God had promised long ago. And so the evidence, again, is traced through these genealogies. Um, This is the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. The word genealogy uh, means the book of, of Genesis, literally. origin. The Old Testament phrase, you remember, these generations um, in the plural. And they were the history of the individual's descendants uh, looking forward, never backwards. So the genealogy, the history of the genealogy of ancestry in Genesis looks forward. The Greek word Genesis is the history of one person here, Jesus Christ. Looking backwards to the origin of the promised Messiah. The Old Testament genealogies never look back. They always look forward. Jesus Christ indicates his humanity. And Christ is his divinity. So Jesus, the human name. Christ, the title. The second man. And the last Adam. You can call him the second man, and Scripture says that in First Corinthians fifteen, forty five through forty seven, but you never want to call him the second Adam. He is called the last Adam. Because if there if he is called a second Adam, then there's a potential for a third, a fourth, a fifth. There's the first Adam who sinned and brought death through sin, and there is the last Adam who died in our place to give us life. Okay? There's a contrast between The two of them. And of course, after Adam fell in Genesis five one, he had a child after his own image, after his own likeness, fallen, tainted with sin nature in every person thereafter. Um, Again, the name Jesus that we've stated many, many times means Yahweh is salvation. A translation of the Hebrew name Joshua. And the title, of course, the anointed Messiah Christos. So sometimes people think Jesus uh, Christ's Lord is uh, first, middle, and last name. That's not what it is. Um, Jesus' name, um, Lord, is a title, and Christ is a title. Lord, uh, kurios in the Greek, and we'll run across it, means the possessor, owner, master. Um, that's the difference between them. He's the son of David. This identifies his family line as king of an heir to the throne of Israel, which goes back when God uh, prophesied to David in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12 through 16. It was a twofold prophecy. It was a prophecy that Solomon, his son, would sit on the throne short-term, long-term. It would be the Messiah that would come through the line of David. Again, Isaiah has many, many prophecies. Uh, Isaiah 9, 6, a son is born, a, a, ch- a child is given. Um, government uh, on his shoulders, a mighty God, um, on and on and on. He speaks about the Messiah to come, uh, very, very clear. Uh, Acts, Romans, Book of Revelation, everywhere throughout the scriptures, it is Jesus Christ who fulfills all this. He's the son of Abraham, identifies him now in his nationality here. Um, as God promised Abraham to make him a father of a nation and that through him all the earth would be blessed. Those that bless you all were blessed those that curse you all were cursed. And this goes back to Genesis chapter 12 verse 1 through 3. Um, He took Abraham who was a Gentile. Um, He was up from Ur the Chaldees uh, around the area of Babylon there and God called him out, and he uh, separated him from his father, from his country, from his land, and brought him to a land that he would give him. So in other words, he's saying here that um, Jesus, uh, by all these connections and all these fulfillments, is a true Jew. Um, that's what Jesus was. In verse 2, down to 6, we have the line from Abraham to David. Um, Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Now, here we have the three patriarchs, um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, They were the patriarchs of the nation of israel now remember israel is the name that god gave to jacob that night that he wrestled with him as he changed his name jacob means heel catcher um conniver planter flim flam man um and then he changed it to israel governed by god as he touched the hollow of his thigh and his brother was coming and he was afraid of him and he thought he was going to kill him and god went before him if you remember um Judah and his brothers here refers to all the tribes of Israel. The phrase his brother is the first break in the pattern of the word begot. And it's found once more in verse 11, where that break is made again. Judah is the key, for Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. Okay? Remember, the book of Hebrews is very clear that, um, that the law spoke of the tribe of Levi. But Jesus came after a higher order, the order of Melchizedek from the tribe of Judah. And far more excellent than that of Levite. Matthew is an ascension from Abraham to Joseph from Solomon. The legal ancestry of Jesus To the throne of David. If you were with us in our study of Luke. Luke is a. Descension. From Mary to Adam. Through Nathan. The other son of David. Which connects him to the ancestry. Of Jesus. To Joseph. Who was supposed to be his father. But he was not. So both Joseph and Mary. Had a right to the throne. Um. The line of Joseph, Jeconiah, or Coniah, two different names by the same king, he was cursed, as we'll see as we move along. And so therefore, even though the curse was there, Joseph was not the father biologically, so it didn't make any difference. But both of them are proven to have um, the correct line to the throne of David. And again, who is Matthew writing to? He's writing to the Jews. To the Jews, this genealogy is very, very important. And that's why he gives it. In verse 3, he says, Judah begot Perez, and Sarah by Tamar. Perez begot Hazron and Hazron begot Ram. The line of Judah, Judah had given her two sons, the Tamar, Ur, and Onan, and they both died. One was evil and God killed him. The other one didn't want to take up seed to his brother, and therefore God struck him dead. And so Judah had promised his third son. He was too young at the time. And as time went on, she realized he wasn't going to give it to her. He had lost two sons already. She He, he says, something wrong with this lady. And so uh, as we move on, we'll see that um, Sheila was withheld from her. And she went and she played the harlot. She pretended she was a prostitute. And as Judah was... Traveling the road, he solicited her, and she became pregnant by him. And if you're familiar with the story, and again there Judah and Er, you find in Genesis 38 the story. And um, when she was discovered that she was pregnant, um, Judah was incensed, and he was um, wanted to just burn her with fire, you know, and yet. Um, She pulled out the insignias and the genealogical records that he left with her in terms of the staff and that. He says, by the man who owes these, I am with a child. And his sin found him out. Here we have a very sordid story in the genealogy of Jesus Christ for Tamar. Um, it's strange to have women in the genealogical records of the Jews. And again, Jesus is bridging the law unto grace now. Uh, God is fulfilling everything, and he's bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to all who are dead and trespass and sins. All the whole world's guilty before God, Paul says in, in Romans chapter 3. And so the royal line is traced through Perez and Sarah here, and the cross-referenced some of these things. 1 um, Chronicles chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, and the book of Ruth also, chapter 4, verse 12. Now, in verse 4, he says, Ram begot Aminadab, and Aminadab begot Nashon, and Nashon begot uh, Salmon." And here we have the line of Judah to the father of Boaz, Salmon. Again, First Chronicles chapter two, verse eight through twelve is a good cross reference, and um, the line of of, of David, uh, Solomon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Um, we read down to the first part of, of six, and Jesse begot David, the king. So. Rahab here is the harlot of Jericho, uh, another immoral woman that proselyted into Israel. Remember that she um, uh, hid the spies as they were coming across the land because the, uh, all the land's hearts melted as they heard of all the things that God was doing through them and how they were just wiping everybody out. And so they made a covenant with her and, uh, to get all her family and her house and let a scarlet Thread out the back window. Her house was right on the wall. And that everybody would be secure. And when they took the city. They would spare her and her family. But if anybody went outside her house. They would not be responsible. If they were killed. And so this is Rahab right here. She's also a Canaanite. And was the great grandmother of David. Boaz married Ruth. And begot Obed. David's Grandfather, Ruth was a Moabitess, a descendant um, from the ancestral relationship of Lot with his oldest daughter that became pregnant, and you had um, the Moabites. The other ones are the Edomites with the other daughter. As you see, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, and the angels expel Lot and you know and his family. And, uh, didn't believe him. They thought he was um, joking, and um, he finally got expelled by the angels with his wife and two daughters. The wife looked back, and the angel told her not to. She turned to a pillar of salt, and here he is in the cave. And you know, he first wanted to go to the, Or, a smaller city. To go there, he went, and, and, and then that didn't do him any good. And they ended up in the cave. And and the daughters thought that God had destroyed the whole world. And that her father was the only one. And here they had an incestuous relation with him. They made him drunk that night and then the other night. And those are the two nations where they came from. Okay, Moabite. Ruth comes from one of those nations. Um, Ruth was the grandmother of Jesse and the great-grandmother of David. Remember, David left his father and mother in Moab when Saul was pursuing him in 2 Samuel. Um, 1 Samuel 22, 3 through 4. And we can see the connection because um, his great grandmother was Ruth. And so there were family ties. And so he left them there until it was safe. The uh, second part of 6 down to 11, we have the line of David. Um, verse 6, the remainder. Um, says, and David the king begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. And so here again, Solomon was um, the connection um, as the father of Boaz. And you see one after the other. And the line of David uh, to the captivity goes from this part all the way down to 11. uh, Good cross references: is Chronicles chapter 3, verse 17 and 19. And and, and the cross-references are for the kings. Um, as we'll see, Matthew doesn't list all of them. There's some omissions. And there's um, a whole purpose behind that of four teams that he gives. Nobody's really been able to figure it out as when we get to it. But nevertheless, it is purposeful what he does. And there was nothing wrong in the omissions and the genealogy that he's giving as he's making this uh, in the way and the fashion that he did. Now, Jesse was the father of David the king, and Bathsheba was the wife of Uriah um, that was a Hittite. And as you know, he was out in his balcony, and um, he saw a woman bathing. And if you've been with us to Israel, as you look to the city of Ophel, the old city, like right now you have Jerusalem up here on top. Um, and, you, and I'm, I'm in the city, you're on the Mount of Olives. To your left, my right, we will go down to the city of Ophel. It was smaller, the smaller part of the city down there. And that's where um, David's original city was. And as he was there in his balcony, um, he could see down on all the people because the king is on the very top. And he saw this beautiful woman who was bathing um, and as a result, he uh, didn't control himself and didn't bring his thoughts in captivity, and he began asking about her, and um, and as you know, that she was um, granddaughter of Ahithophel, and there was some objections there by him, and said, "Well, you know, she's the wife of Uriah," and of course, he said he petitioned her to come, and he. Uh, uh, committed adultery with her, and then sent um, his her husband out to the heat of the battle and He died and um, Nathan the prophet came and and just um, declared judgment over David, giving him that parable of the little lamb that was taken and and he says, David, you are the man here once again in the genealogy. In 2 Samuel 11, you find that um, uh, she's in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Again, the Lord is opening up the age of grace, the fulfillment of all prophecies through the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And in verse 7 down to 11, you have the line of David from Solomon to the Babylonian exile. It says, Solomon begot Rehoboam, Rehoboam begot Abijah, and Abijah begot Asa, and Asa begot Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat begot Joram, and Joram begot Uzziah. Um, Let me see, I lost my hair, Uzziah. Okay, verse 9, Uzziah begot Jotham, and Jotham begot Ahaz, and Ahaz begot Hezekiah. And Hezekiah... Begot Manasseh. Manasseh begot Amnon, and Amnon begot Josiah, and jo- uh, jo- Josiah begot Je- Jeconiah. His brothers, about the time they were carried away to Babylon. So here again, a cross-reference: 1 Chronicles chapter 3, verse 10 through 14. And he begins here with Rehoboam. The connection: he was the foolish son of um, Solomon who um, rather than taking the advice of his father's counselors to relieve the people of taxes, he went to the young men that he grew up with. And they, um, of course, said, listen, if you give them an inch, you're going to take a mile. Tell him your dad was a little finger. You're going to be a thigh. And so all of Israel says, what do we have to do with the house of David? And the kingdom was divided. Now, God had already prophesied through the prophet Ahijah that it would happen as the prophet went out and he grabbed the coat and tore it up and and the 12 pieces, okay, 10 to the north and two with David. The the kingdom was already corrupt. Solomon was an incredible wise man, but um, the wealth, everything, there was corruption and by the time it gets to Rehoboam, it just divides completely. Between Joram and Uzziah, three kings are omitted Ahaziah, Joash, and Amaziah in verse 8. In verse 9, Uzziah also is known as Azariah. Again, many of the kings have two names. Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up the day that Uzziah died in Isaiah 6, remember, holy, 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 and God sends him out for his ministry. And uh, Uzziah was a good king until he presumed upon the office of the priest and he tried to burn incense on the golden altar and um, got struck him with leprosy. And so he uh, resided in his own house, specially made for him, while his son Jothan reigned in his stead. And as we have went through the history of the kings and that, you see that Sometimes godly men, good men, do some stupid things that get them in trouble. Um, Every generation is no different, ladies and gentlemen. Things do happen. People are human and they become proudful. They become uh, um, more lax or whatever it may be. Ahaz was a wicked king, as you know. And then um, in verse 10... Hezekiah was a good king. Um, He began with great Passover, initiating a reform, godly. Um, God, in fact, sent the prophet Isaiah to get his house in order. um, And he cried all night. And God sent him back and told him that he would give him 15 extra years. The prophet Isaiah told him. And um, would the God he would have gone home, it was during those uh, extra 15 years that Manasseh, as we'll see, one of the most wicked kings, was born to him. Um, in fact, when he got healed by God, the um, ambassadors from Babylon came to visit him. And Babylon at that time was no threat, it wasn't a world empire. And he, being proudful, showed them everything in his house. And Isaiah came in and says, "What? Did, who were these guys? Oh, they're just good guys. They heard I got healed. They came and what did you show them? There isn't anything in my house. I didn't show them." He says, "One day they're going to come back. Then they're going to take everything, even your children, your household." And you know what he says? Oh well, at least it'll be okay in my day. Wow, amazing great king did some dumb things. Now, Josiah was a good king, and he also brought great spiritual reform. But as the kingdom kept going down, it was already superficial. The people didn't have a heart for it. Um, it just the kingdom of David just kept going down more and more and more, and uh, he became presumptuous and went out the battle against Pharaoh Neco, and um, he was killed. He didn't have to go. God told him not to go. The prophet, to the prophet, he went out once again. In verse eleven, uh, Jokanaanah was cursed from any descendants being on the throne this is again um, through the genealogy line of Joseph but it doesn't matter because Joseph is not the biological father he's only the legal father through marriage and, but both Mary and Joseph are in that line uh, Jeremiah records the curse in Jeremiah twenty-two thirty, 30 um, but since this is Joseph's line again it doesn't matter. Jehoiakim is omitted here. You have Jehoiachin, Jehoiakim. Um, they bring just for a few months in that. And um, one generation is omitted between Josiah and Jokaniah, which is also, his name was Jehoiakim. Okay? You had Jehoiakim, Jehoiachin, two different kings. Now, from verse 12 down to 16, you have the line of David from the captivity to the Messiah. And verse 12 says, And after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconiah begot Sheltiel, and Sheltiel begot Zerubbabel. Now, this is the first return from Babylon. The decree came, as you know, by Cyrus in 437-436 B.C., And Zerubbabel is the prominent figure here, and some see a contradiction of Sheltiel begot Zerubbabel, and Luke says son of Neri in Luke 3.27. Neri comes from the line of Nathan. Zerubbabel is the legal son of Sheltiel, the natural-born son of Pedaiah, at the Sheltiel's death, without children, his brother, Pedaiah, married his widow by liveret marriage, as we've pointed out before in Deuteronomy 25, 5 through 10. Remember the law in the Old Testament, if you die, your brother dies, with, uh, and he doesn't have children, then you, as his brother, had to marry the wife and raise up seed to his name. That's why Onan and Ur, um, God killed one of them, because he didn't want to raise up. Um, Seed to his brother okay so there's that liberate marriage now matthew gives us the legal lines i say which all jewish descendants lay stress on as well as um we see the case with joseph here as that legal father of jesus christ luke again follows the line of natural inheritance um, matthew the legal line of his fatherhood In verse 13 through 15 Um, We have the names of the priests of Joseph there. It says, um, Zerubbabel, and if we just finished the book of Zerubbabel and Zechariah and Haggai, there should be familiar. Zerubbabel begot Abayu uh begot Eliakim, and Eliakim begot Azor, and Azor begot Zadok, and Zadok begot um, Atkim, and Akim begot Eliud, and Eliud begot Eliezer, Eliezer begot Nathan, And Mathan begot Jacob. And so the priesthood that lives here, uh, the family of David, the house of Judah, these intricate connections that, that are followed to verify that Jesus is the rightful heir to the throne of David. In verse 16, we have the marriage of Joseph to Mary. It says... Um, And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Notice, Mary, of whom was born, not begotten by Joseph. Only the woman's connected to the birth, very important. So the natural, the pattern here is broken, as we said before, the word begot. It's not used for Jesus, Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ the seed of the woman back to Genesis 3:15 and Paul says the seed as a one in Galatians 3:16 very important the natural understanding by the unbeliever would be that Jesus was illegitimate tradition tells us that the Jews r- rumored that um, Jesus was a child of Mary and a Roman soldier, a complete lie. The evidence is found in the New Testament of such uh, information. Um, uh, Jesus told the Pharisees in John 8, 41, listen to what he says. He says, you do the deeds of your father. Then they said to Jesus... We are not born of fornication. We have one Father God. Jesus is 30-some years old here. 30-some years have passed. And that's how he is known and recognized by most of the non-believers. As we said this morning, the life must have been difficult for them, but, but they knew the truth of God's revelation, so it was sufficient to get them through in fact Luke 3:23 says now Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age being and then in parentheses as was supposed the son of Joseph the son of Eli suppose so the genealogies both in Matthew and in Luke go out of the way to not only show the line but to clarify by commentary Um, the suspicions and stuff like that. The connection, as we've seen, of immoral lives of Tamar, Rahab, and Bathsheba is no coincidence. Jesus came to save sinners and to call them to repentance, breaking down every barrier, male and female, Scythian, barbarian, Jew, Greek, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, as Romans 3, 23 tells us the three groups of 14 that come in uh, verse 17, it says, so all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David until the captivity of Babylon are 14 generations, and from the captivity of Babylon until Christ are 14 generations. Um, These are purposely arranged for simplicity of memory, um, because Not everything is listed, um, and it's not trying to give an exact chronological record by the omissions. It's evident. The name of David in Hebrew um, has the numerical value of 14. Uh, This is called gamatria, the equivalence of letters uh, and their numbering. Um, The threefold division is given by a threefold repetition So this is purposeful. And as I gave you the breakdown, um, you you, you see Matthew's uh, design here. The captivity is mentioned twice to emphasize how long the house of David had sunk so low from what it used to be. The highest was not during Solomon. Don't ever believe that. It was David. David. He's not the seed of Solomon, the seed of David. The promise was to David. Though Solomon had everything and he is called the wisest man. And God gave him all the wealth. And he built an incredible army and chariots and a chariot business and a horse business. And went to Egypt and God told him not to. He multiplied wives to himself. He erected pagan temples on the Mount of Olives for the pagan wives and his wives stole away his heart from God. And then he writes the book of Ecclesiastes to demonstrate what a fool he was. And in a roundabout way to reveal to us that he came back. But what a waste of life. As he gave himself to everything, he withheld himself from nothing. And the key phrase is vanity, vanity, vexation of spirit, nothing new under the sun. It's like the wind. You think it's going to be this. This is is what's going to make my life. And it just slips through your fingers. That's what sin is. Total, total deception. And it's interesting that in spite of all the wealth and the armament and armies, Solomon never went to war. He just enjoyed his wealth. He did a lot of accomplishments. He was a zoologist, biologist. Uh, um, he was a botanist. He was a poet. He was a songwriter. Um, he All kinds of stuff. Incredible stuff. But again, it was God's mercy over his life. I would rather have um, one David than a hundred Solomons. Because Solomon inherited everything. He didn't work for anything. Solomon did. Kind of like the thing that we have today, the entitled generation. Same thing. No different. If your children work hard, give them whatever you want. If they're lazy slugs, give them nothing. You'll destroy them. And then they'll destroy you. It's real simple. Hard work. It's a lot... Uh, easier to spend somebody's money when it doesn't cost you. When it costs you, you think how you spend your money. It's just real simple. Now, we come to verse 18 through 25 is the announcement of the birth of Jesus. As I said this morning, we, um, uh, we did it in death. We're not going to belabor the same stuff, but we'll go through it uh, in general commentary. And uh, in verse 18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother, Mary was betrothed to Joseph before they came together. She was found with the child of the Holy Spirit. So the miraculous conception here is given to us prior to this um, uh, time. She was betrothed. That betrothal uh, meant that she was living with her parents, but they were in this one-year arrangement that was as binding as marriage, a legal marriage. And if you were to dissolve it, you would have to give a letter of divorce and go through a full divorce proceeding. Um, Mary was during this uh, one-year period and um, once again um, the results of being found with a child was a tragedy and a heartbreak for um, for Joseph. During that one year, remember, though they were legally married, they didn't consummate the marriage. It was after the one year where the wedding ceremony, and then they came together. The clear statement is that they had not come together in sexual intercourse, but she was found with the child. Now, there's only one thing you can conclude as a man or a woman or anybody else. You don't go to bed unpregnant and then wake up pregnant if you sleep alone okay it's just that simple um, but again God is doing something here and 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 Mary has had some communications with the angel Gabriel uh, Joseph at this point has, has none of this information um, and he f- it's, she is found with a child so it's not only him but um, the um, the family I'm sure Uh, We made mention this morning that, and Luke gives us this in chapter 1, that when the angel Gabriel spoke to Mary and revealed all that, and they went through the whole, how can this be, I've never known a man. And then he told her about Elizabeth, her cousin, that she had um, conceived in her old age, and that, um, so she went over there, and she was six months pregnant already. And by the way, John the Baptist was the cousin of Jesus, and Mary and Elizabeth were cousins, but she was much older. And she went there, and Luke tells us that she remained with her for the three months. So she was six, and three, that's nine. So possibly Mary was there when John the Baptist was born. When she came back, she's three months pregnant. And that's probably the time that they found her to be. And uh, this is the situation that this verse gives us. Again, she's about 14 to 16 years old. And you can imagine the spiritual maturity of this young girl, um, Risking everything, her reputation and, and disgrace and everything else. And even to be stoned by the law as it required. And in verse 19, it says, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and uh, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away um, secretly. And so here, Joseph's initial response um, it had to be horrible. Here you've planned, you've waited, you've you, you you know you've probably known each other for life through arrangements, through the parents, the engagement, then the betrothal after, at the last year. And all of a sudden, it's just a big letdown. And again, he doesn't have all this information. So personally, it was devastating. It was a, a great betrayal and deception to him uh, as far as he was concerned. The sense of shame the, to himself the family, um, the the social stigma, all of that stuff that comes with it. Now, today we have lost much of this. Um, there was a time when society, though sin has always been present, there was a time when society had some moral standard and ethics in America. And though uh, people fell into sexual sin and young girls got pregnant, um, there was... Uh, a sense of, of honor and decency and, and, and what was right and wrong. Uh, today, um, fathers don't even blush. Uh, in fact, you talk to them and they, they, they say, oh, this is my daughter and uh, she's, um, she's living with her boyfriend. Um, that's their kid. There's no sense of shame. There's no sense of, of judgment. There's no sense of right or wrong. There's no sense of anything at all. So we as a nation have sunk to real lows. Um, And and, uh, it goes to show you that sin just keeps working on people or a nation. Your conscience gets so callous that what used to bother you the first time doesn't bother you the thousand time. It just becomes less and less and less. And when that becomes a, a standard for a nation, then it's not long before the nation just is destroyed and disintegrates. It cannot stand. You cannot continue in this type of society and believe that it can stand as a strong nation. It's impossible. And so, um, Joseph refused to expose her. um, Verse 19 here. And um, he didn't want to make that example of her or Haberstone, Deuteronomy 22, 23 through 24. And... um, um, so he had love and compassion um, for her. He was merciful, though he didn't want to take her to himself. It repulsed him, and he just he couldn't do it because sex is very intimate, and it's to be for a husband and wife. And once again, in a society, it goes a certain way, and it becomes less and less an issue of society. Then look at where we've come to now, that now it's whatever's around you, AC or DC, 110, 220, whatever, doesn't matter. And we become so corrupted, so perverted, that uh, the uh, politicians and the educators want to grab a hold of your children as soon as they can, and they're already teaching homosexuality and all that at kindergarten level. It's incredible. And they've been doing that for about three years, and nine more years they will have The entire generation sold out to this stuff. So you as Christian parents have to instruct your children, pray for your children, instruct them what the Bible says and why it says what it says and the wisdom behind it. Very important. Um, Again, putting away secretly, um, letter of divorce. um, Some commentators share that... um, Rome had removed the, um, the right for capital punishment from the Jews and though that may be so um, they were still doing if you remember the woman that was caught in adultery in the Gospel of John 8 1 and Jesus says he who is without sin let him cast the first stone and by the very words of Paul in Acts 22.4 um, 26.10 he says how he used to persecute Christians put them to death So though it might have been against the Roman law, these things were allowed in a blind eye. When governments become corrupt, um, our government, ladies and gentlemen, is so corrupt, it's starting to stink. But this is the nature of man. Power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. It's just a matter of time. If you don't have checks and balances with god if you don't have a relationship with god the temptations the um um, um, the low morals of the nation or the world will grab you and so verse 20 and 21 the visitation of the angel he says but while he thought about these things behold an angel the lord appeared to him in a dream saying joseph son of david Do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The word thought there um, means to bring the mind to resolve, to ponder uh, this very difficult situation. Um, The angel of the Lord uh, appeared to Joseph in a dream. And um, again, God is dealing with the situation and he is very straightforward uh, with what is going on here. The word behold there um, gives the idea of suddenness as he appears, he's asleep. Uh, God is going to deal with him about truth and what really is going on. The angel's message to Joseph um, is personal to him. He calls him Joseph, so there would be no um, thinking that it was just something he ate that night or whatever. Um, Do not be afraid to take Mary your wife. That was just conceivers of the Holy Spirit confirming uh, what um, Mary already knew. But once again, she just left it in the hands of God and. Um, Luke confirms all of this in chapter 1. In the prophetic announcement to Joseph about Mary's pregnancy um, is that she would be, give birth to a son. Uh, Joseph was to make sure his name would be Jesus. Again, we've talked what it means, Yahweh is salvation. Uh, the purpose and reason is that he would um, save his people from their sins. Uh, his people speaking about the Jew. In priority of time, he was sent to his own. His own received a not. in John one eleven, Jesus wept over Jerusalem. He says, how many times I wanted to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you would not. So now I leave unto you desolate, and you shall not see me henceforth. You say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Matthew 23, 37-39. And he wept over Jerusalem. If you would have known this your day, the Gospel of Luke says. They had the very day that their Messiah would ride into Jerusalem on the coal of a donkey, Zechariah 9.9. 9. Daniel 9, verse 24, on down to 26, the 70 weeks of Daniel. Amazing. But they weren't looking for him. The allusion of this, to this prophecy is uh, Psalm 130, verse 8. And again, sin, harmashia, to miss the mark. Sin kills. Nothing ever good comes from sin. We don't, uh, we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. (laughs) Okay? It is our nature. Darkness attracts us. That's why we need to repent and be born again so God can deal with our hearts and give us a new heart, a new nature. That's why we study the Word of God. That's why we depend upon Him. We deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow Him. We couldn't do this if you're not born again. If you're not born again and you try to follow the Christian Word of God and you try to follow the please God, you'll never do it. There's not one good thing in you and in me. Everything and anything that's of good and good that comes from me will be from God because we have turned our heart to Him. And so, the prophetic fulfillment of the conception of the birth by a virgin, verse 22, he says, So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with a child and shall bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God, with us. He's quoting Isaiah, the repeated phrase in Matthew, that it might be fulfilled. He's a Jew. Everything that's happening he's pointing back to the Scriptures 14 times. At other times, you will say, it is written. All there was was the Old Testament. Genesis to Malachi. The prophecy was twofold in verse 23. Short-term prophecy, long-term prophecy, the short-term prophecy was the sign to Ahaz that Syria would not take Jerusalem. The obvious interpretation about a woman having a child, and the connection comes later on in the chapter, verse 15 and 16, even as um, um, Isaiah's wife had a child, and um, they named Mahershala Hazbaz, <laughs> And um, short term wise, he would before he could eat, the prophecy would be fulfilled, as he said. The short term wise against um, the enemy, and then long term, of course, he's talking about the birth of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. So as you follow the genealogy, you follow the birth of Jesus Christ. Yes, he was one hundred percent man. God became flesh, incarnate. John one 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 fourteen. But he was God, 100% God, 100% man. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 3 says that God who at different times and in diverse manners spoke in times past to the fathers as in these last days spoken unto his son Jesus Christ. In other words, the patriarchs, the prophets, God spoke to them, dreams, visions, prophecies. But Jesus Christ is the ultimate spokesman for God. Nobody else speaks for God today. There is no one else. He is the Messiah. He is the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. He is the mediator between God and the man Christ Jesus. He is the only name by which we must be saved. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man or woman can come to the Father but by Him, John 14, 6. God is very, very narrow-minded in our world doesn't appreciate that today the word virgin again there is parthenos a woman sexually pure never had sex the hebrew uh, counterpart is the word alma which means a virgin engaged uh, or a spouse in this betrothal period and though there is another word bethula in the hebrew and that's a virgin but not a spouse or engaged And um, that distinction is made in Genesis 24 when the servant of Abraham went to get Rebekah and engage her to Isaac, and it's very, very clear. And so, some do not believe in the virgin birth. Do you know how many ministers don't? Do you know how many ministers or ministers they call themselves and they don't believe in the second coming? They don't believe in the inspiration of the scriptures. Why are they ministers? Why are they teaching the Bible? It's amazing to me. 24 to 25, you have the obedience, submission of Joseph to God. He says that Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, And he called his name Jesus. The obedience and submission of Joseph to God. He awakens, but he awakens no longer with a knot in his gut. No longer with this horrendous thinking process, but he has peace because God has allowed him to know the truth. Now it doesn't matter what people say. He knows the truth. That makes all the difference in the world. And notice that he had a great wedding they rejoiced with each other, and um, he did not know her until after her firstborn son. So that means that Joseph was very honorable, realizing the uh, nature of the child, and um, he did not have sexual intercourse till after the birth of Jesus. The firstborn implies that there were other children. Many times people want to deny this, yet... Matthew 13, 55-56, and Mark 3 also tells us that Jesus had other brothers and sisters. Of course, they're half-brothers, children of Mary and Joseph. Now, we don't know what happened to Joseph. He's going to drop off the scene real quick as we move through the gospel. Um, But um, nevertheless, he did have uh, brothers and sisters. Mary had children. Mary was not a perpetual virgin, as the Catholic Church declares. Okay. The dogma of perpetual virginity or the Immaculate Conception by Pope Pius in 1854 is just a lie. How do I know? Because the scripture refutes it. The scripture gives us exactly what's going on. Mary was a woman like you and I, like any other. In fact, when you read the Magnificent of Mary there in Luke chapter 3, you see that she cries out to God and celebrates that she has a redeemer and a savior, Jesus Christ. She realized she needed to be forgiven. She realized she needed a savior. That very savior would be in her womb and would come forth one day and she would see him hanging on a cross for her sins. Last time we see Mary, she's in the book of Acts, up in the day of Pentecost, And uh, they're all up there praying. They weren't praying to Mary. They were all praying to Jesus. And they were waiting for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. And let me tell you something. Mary spoke in tongues that day. (laughs) All of them did. All right? So let's get our facts right as we stick to the scriptures. Father, thank you for your grace, your goodness, and your love. We thank you for tonight. And I pray, Lord, you just continue to instruct us as we move through your word and Father, I thank you for every person that's come, and I pray that as they ponder on these scriptures in this chapter, Lord, you would just further instruct them, Lord. As you're praying, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God has brought you here to be saved, to repent of your sins. Maybe you're over the Internet. If you don't know Jesus Christ, God wants you to know that he loves you, that he died for you, that he rose from the dead and made the price um, for your sins a payment to the Father. And that if you believe what the Bible says about him, then you can call upon him and be saved. It's through a prayer of repentance. No formula prayer, just from your heart. If you want to be born again, this is your prayer to him. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Baptize me with Your Holy Spirit. I accept you as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.